0: We're going to be in Ephesians six this morning, so if you've got your Bibles, you want to open up there. It will come up on the screen behind me. But if you uh, if you have a Bible with you, Ephesians six is where we're going to be. I want to kind of carry on from where I am um, left off last week and looking at this phrase, and um, we find in Ephesians six um, where Paul is encouraging us and saying, "After you have done everything, to stand." So we looked last week at what is it to do everything. What are the everythings that we're supposed to be doing? And I want to look this morning about what it is to stand. And it's this beautiful tension, this dance between standing and then going again and then going again and then standing. Um, And it's kind of understanding my part and it's understanding the Lord's part. So I'm, I'm going to read Ephesians 6. I'm going to read verses 10 to 13 just to put that phrase, that verse in context, and then we're going to dive in. So it says this, finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. to stand. There's so much in that passage, so much about the armour of God and, and standing firm. And, but it's that phrase I want to look at. So, you know, essentially Paul is in this sort of closing out passage of his letter to the Ephesians church. He's, he's kind of wanting to give him his last hooray, his last, come on guys, you can do the hang in there. Um, and their goal is that they would stand firm. Absolutely, they'd stand firm. Um, and this understanding of, listen, we are in a spiritual battle and we need, we need to understand that. Um, absolutely not to be fearful. You know, I think as Christians, we should. I have a zero tolerance approach to fear. It's not for us. It's not for you. But we're not to be fearful, but we are to be aware and we are to be prepared. We are in a spiritual battle, therefore put on the whole armor of God, not just bits of it occasionally, the whole thing every day, all of us, Um, in order that we'd stand our ground. And then this beautiful dynamic between understanding the everything that we need to do, but equally knowing what it is to just stand, and that's what I want to focus on. And last week, as if you weren't with us, I'm going to give you a 30-second recap um, on some of the everything um, that we looked at in terms of what's for us to do. This is not exhaustive, but you know, this was just four things that I think it's worth us considering in our walk with the Lord. Maybe there are decisions we've got to make. There are opportunities and options ahead of us, you know, in a good way. Maybe there are obstacles. Maybe there are challenges. Maybe there are things that are difficult. Um, Right now. So I would suggest, you know, when, when Paul is saying, you know, having done everything, everything sounds like quite a lot. But we broke it down into these four things, four questions it's worth kind of asking ourselves with the Holy Spirit in terms of is there, is there anything for me to do in this situation? So the first thing was actually, have I asked God? Now, have, I, have I been praying? Have I been looking in the Bible? What does the Bible say? Um, what, have I asked God and heard what he's saying? Secondly, am I in the right place? Am I in the right place? Am I doing the right thing in terms of just you know God's standard for my life and your life in terms of walking in righteousness? You know, am I in the right place? But even my like more specifically, though, am I like am I in the right, doing the right thing in terms of His will and His purpose and His direction? Am I in the right place? Thirdly, how's my internal world? You know, understanding that the why that goes on sometimes underneath the what that we do, that's where healing happens. And that's where really change happens. You know, I, it's very unproductive and very exhausting just to try and desperately change the what. You know, be better, Sarah, don't say that. Be more of this, be more of the other. It, yes, there's a place for discipline and you make the right choice. But actually, you know, why do I always respond like that? You know, why do I find stepping out in that so difficult but like understanding why. Is there some stuff I need to repent of? You know, are there some people I need to forgive? Is there some stuff I need to let the Lord heal me of? So what's going on on the inside? And finally, have I asked to help? Have I asked for help, sorry. You know, there is there is nowhere in the Bible that you will find a verse that says you ought to do your Christian life on your own. It's just not there. You know, so we can, we can be asking God, we can be praying, we can be reading the Bible, we can be, you know, on our knees repenting of stuff. We can be really thinking about, you know, being in the right place and being obedient. Listen, there's sometimes you've got to let people in. You've got to ask for help. And it's a very humbling but massively powerful thing to do, to share where you're at with somebody else so they can add their strength to your life. So those are some of the, in broadly speaking, some of the having done all things, consider those things. Ask with the Holy Spirit. Now, is there anything more for me to do? Am I in the right place? Is there something going on on the inside that I need to pay attention to? And then do those things. So it's, we, it's really important that we, we ask the Lord and we listen and we partner with him in the everything that is for us to do, that I know and I take responsibility for my part, for my stuff, okay? But it is just as important that we know when and how it, we just stand. And that's what I want to look at this morning. After we've done everything to stand, So I want to look at a couple of stories in the Old Testament um, that really brilliantly kind of paint this picture of what it is to kind of stand on the Lord. So we're going to look in Exodus 14. I'm not going to read the whole story for the sake of time. I will just, let me give you a quick setup of where where we're at in in the journey. So the Israelites have have left Egypt. Um, so Moses kept going to Pharaoh and saying, let my people go, let my people go. And he says, no, 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 no. And finally, yes. Okay, so they've left. So they have been allowed to kind of pack up their things. They've left Egypt and they've, they've gone out led by the Lord out into the desert. And then Pharaoh changes his mind and comes chasing after them. So they're aware of this. So where we, where we find them in this story is they are, they've headed out from Egypt and they are stuck. The Red Sea is ahead of them, blocking their way. The Egyptians are coming up behind them and they can see that. And so, so they're panicking. So you read them, like they're, you know, they're saying to Moses, why have you brought us out here? We should have stayed in Egypt. We're gonna die out here, you know, kind of panicking. And then we pick it up in verse 13, where it says this, Moses answered the people, do not be afraid, stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. I love it. Beautiful story, beautiful promise. And in that situation, you know, Red Sea in front of them, Egyptians chasing up behind them, actually there was nothing they could do to change that situation. But it's, it's, it's so powerful to notice. Actually, there, it's not only that there wasn't anything they could do, there was nothing required of them. You know, God's direction, his word to them was very specific. Um, the Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. You don't need to do anything in this situation, but be still. That was it. Nothing required of them. Just stand for firm and watch what God's going to do. It's amazing. It's beautiful. But listen, it's really interesting. If you read back in the, sort of a few chapters back, if you start about Exodus chapter 12, there was some stuff for them to do. Leading up until that point, in that moment, Red Sea ahead of them, Egyptians behind them, nothing they could do, nothing they needed to do. But before that, there definitely was. So while they were still in Egypt and when the final plague is coming and God's saying, listen, I'm going to send an angel and every firstborn in Egypt is going to die, but I'm going to protect you. And so this is the, the Passover. So essentially you are to kill a lamb and to take the, the blood and put it on the doorpost and the angel will pass you by. Um, so there were some specific things for them to do, yeah? And then even when Pharaoh does say, okay, go, God leads them out by cloud by day, pillar of fire by night. We know the story. But listen, they needed to follow. So in that situation, there was some everything to do. So in that having done all things to stand, there was some all for them to do. They needed to obey God and they needed to do this Passover. They needed to follow the cloud, follow the um, pillar of fire. And then even even after that, there was this really funny bit. You know, there's some bits in the Bible you're like, why the detail? So right at the beginning of chapter fourteen, um, God says to Moses, "Tell the Israelites to turn back and encamp near Pi Hachiroth, between Migdol and the sea. They are to encamp by the sea, directly opposite Baal Zephon." God was really specific with them to, as to where to camp. There were some really specific directions. I probably murdered all those names, but there was some specific stuff for them to do. And some of the things that God required of them required courage and obedience. It meant they had to get ready. They had to pack up their houses. They had to move. They had to follow. And they had to camp in this very specific place. So there was some all things for Moses and the Israelites to do. But then in this situation at the Red Sea, they'd done all of that. And now it was just God's charge was just stand. Watch what I'm going to do. Just stand. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. That's just the most beautiful promise. It's amazing. And we see, we know the story. You know, the Red Sea opens and they go through and the Egyptians are are covered and and God delivers them powerfully. And they just, all they had to do was stand and watch it happen. There's another situation, another story in the Old Testament. Um, In 2 Chronicles chapter 20, King Jehoshaphat is on the throne and there's this huge army um, coming against them. And he and all the people, understandably, are beginning to panic, are beginning to freak out. And so, Jehoshaphat, it says, gets before God. He gets on his knees and he prays and he calls all the people to fast. You know, and even when we looked last week about have I, have I asked God in terms of the all things that I maybe need to do, fasting and praying was part of it right here. So he gets before God and then a Levite, so one of the priests called Jehaziel, and says the Holy Spirit comes upon him and he is given the word of the Lord for Jehoshaphat and for um, the people of Israel in this situation. So I'm going to read from verse 17 in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, beg pardon, 15. So this is Jehaziel coming back to them after they've been praying. He said, listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you, do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. Didn't deny it was there, didn't deny it was an army, didn't deny it was a vast army, but he said, listen, don't be afraid, don't be discouraged For the battle is not yours, but it's God's. Tomorrow, march down against them. They will be climbing up by the pass of Ziz and you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jeriel. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions, stand firm and see the deliverance the Lord will give you, Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow and the Lord will be with you. Amazing. But can you see, even in that story, there's this beautiful dance between some everything that they needed to do and some just standing and watch what God's going to do. It's not your battle, it's the Lord. He's going to fight for you. Just watch and see. It's amazing. So there was everything for them to do. They had got before God and prayed. They had called the people to fast. They'd heard the word of the Lord. So Jehaziel had you know, had the, the now word of God in terms of, this is what God's saying to you people in this situation. But there was some stuff for them to do. It says, march out against them. Take up your positions. It was a specific, again, those places. Go somewhere specifically. So guys, there was a place for them to get to. There was a position for them to take up. But then it was just a question of stand firm. The battle's not yours, it's God's. You will not have to fight this battle. So, I mean, they're just such amazing, empowering, comforting promises, aren't they? The Exodus one, the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. And then in Chronicles, you will not have to fight this battle. Yes, take up your position, stand firm, but just watch the deliverance that the Lord will give you. It's his battle. And so so we love those verses. I love those verses. Like, I love those promises. But listen, if I grab hold of that verse, you know, the Lord will fight for me, I just only need to stand. If actually what Holy Spirit is saying to me, Sarah, you've got to repent of that, then I'm not Quite where I need to be in terms of that that picture in Chronicles. It's like it was actually. Listen, go here. Take up your position here. So if if the position I'm called to take up is on my knees repenting because that's not okay, then take up that position and then stand. So we've got to understand this dynamic of hearing what the Lord is saying to us now. So for the Egyptians to have heard that promise, the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. And if they just sat in their homes back in Egypt they wouldn't have been delivered. They wouldn't have come through to the promised land because God said, go here, do this, and then stand. And our problem is we love to hear those verses. God's going to fight for me, it's his battle, and I'm just going to sit home on the sofa with a cup of tea and it'll happen. There's a partnership. There's stuff for you and I to do. You know, so we, you know, just declaring that over yourself, if God is saying, but there's this piece for you to do, we're not going to get to where we need to. So if God's word to you right now is stand, be still and watch, then I would encourage you to stand, be still, and watch. But if God's word to you is, is pray, is fast, is give something financially, is, you know, so into that ministry, is repent, is change your job, is, I don't know, if, if God has given you a specific instruction, then do that. Don't just stand. Does that make sense? So we have to have this ability as we grow up, as we mature in the Lord, that we have discernment, that is, I can hear the Father's voice, Am I in the position where I've done everything I need to do for this season, for this situation? Should I now just stand and be still? and, And knowing, because if we do the wrong thing in the wrong situation, we just stay stuck. We don't end up where we could be and where we should be. Listen, I said this last week, and I do want to make sure I'm stressing the point. I'm not saying this is a an order thing. I don't want you to hear it that I'm saying, right, there's this checklist of four things. So always do these things. If you're facing a situation, you know, you need to pray, then you need to fast, then you need to repent, then you need to get in a healing, and then you need to ask someone else. And if you really exhaust all your possibilities, uh, then maybe sound and let God do it. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, hear what the Lord is saying and do that. Yeah? We've, and we've got to know what he is saying, and it may be that, listen, there's maybe more to do. Maybe there is stuff for, for you to do. But right now, God's saying, hey, stand. And maybe another time you'll go again. There'll be another place for you to go after. And that's okay. But right now, God is just saying, stand. So we have to, it's, guys, it's about learning to hear the voice of the Lord and just walking in step with the Holy Spirit. Stand when he has says stand. Fight when he says fight. On your knees when he says, on, like, just hear what he's saying and go with that. But all of this is in the context of Rest it's really, really important. Even in my doing, in, even in my doing all things, even in you know, contending for stuff in prayer, even in kind of being honest and, and confessing with a friend and getting them to pray me, even in the things that I need to do, I absolutely do that in a position of rest, which I know sounds a bit contradictory. It sounds a bit, well, am I doing or am I resting? It's like, well, I, I do it. Everything I do is in from this position of resting in the Lord. It's such a It's a massive subject, and I really wouldn't, maybe another time we'll look at it in detail, but what is it to enter into God's rest? Um, And I would encourage you, have a look in Hebrews 4. um, It talks about um, this promise of God's rest that is available for us to enter into, and Paul uses this really interesting phrase. He says, you know, so be diligent, do everything you can to enter into God's rest. So it's like, okay, there's some stuff for me to do, but there is rest that's promised to us. I've not got time to unpack it anymore, but If that is something you feel like God's talking to you about, jump into Hebrews 4. But it says this in Isaiah 30, this is verses 15 and 16. This was one of my gramps' favorite verses, and and it totally was him. This is how he lived his life. It says this, this is what the sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says, in repentance and rest is your salvation, in quietness and trust is your strength. But you would have none of it. You said, no, we'll flee on horses, therefore you will flee. You said, no, we will ride off on swift horses, therefore your pursuers will be swift. What's God saying here? Listen, I think he's saying, listen, there is an invitation to us always to come to the Lord and to know rest. Actually, as we repent from doing things our way and turn to him, that we can come and rest in him. And that's where our salvation comes from. Not in works, not in doing, not in striving, not in measuring up. That's that's works, that's not grace. You know, we rest in what Jesus has done for us. That's where our salvation comes from. And in quietness and trust, that's where my strength comes from. Trusting God, regardless of the situation in front of me, I trust you, God, I trust what you said. That's where my strength comes from. But then there's this dynamic here, and the people that Isaiah is talking to, they're saying, no, we're going to flee on horses. Essentially, we're going to do it our way. You know, this, this is what looks like going on. And, and God is saying, hey, trust me, rest in me. But there's that inclination sometimes in all of us. And some of us maybe struggle with that more than others. There's, no, but I need, to, I need to fix this. I need to do something. I'm going to rely on horses. I'm going to rely on something that I can do something about and I can go somewhere where the call of the Lord is, come to me and trust and rest in me. So that's the invitation. You know, I don't want to be one of those ones that God said, yeah, but you'd have none of it. Sorry, you just went and did your own thing again. When he's saying... Come and rest and trust. So it's learning to stand. It's learning to enter into and, and remain in that place of rest, even in our doing, even in our contending, even in our fight in the good fight. I do it from a place of rest. And I know that sounds a little bit contradictory, but honestly, that's the kingdom life. So that's where our strength comes from. So knowing, listen, all of my doing comes from where I stand and where I'm resting. And the final thing I want us to look at is, well, what is it that we're standing on? You know, what is it that I'm resting in? I want to highlight two things. Regardless of what's going on in your life, good, bad, or in between, there are two things you must learn to stand on. She's got two feet. She so needs to stand on both these two things. Firstly, the finished work of the cross. And secondly, the absolutely certain promises of God. Unshakably. Let's look at that first one. The finished work of the cross. Colossians 2, and um, Paul is talking about um, what Jesus has done on the cross. I want to read a couple of verses to you from the Phillips translation, um, which just beautifully unpacks it. So this is Colossians 2, 13 to 15. It says, this: you who were spiritually dead because of your sins and your uncircumcision, the fact that you're outside the law. God has now made you to share in the very life of Christ. He has forgiven you all of your sins. Christ has utterly wiped out the damning evidence of broken laws and commandments which always hung over our head. And he has completely annulled it by nailing it over his head on the cross. And then having drawn the sting of all the powers ranged against us, he exposed them, shattered, empty, defeated in his final glorious triumphant act. That's what we stand on. That excites me. That's what I'm standing on. Not my capacity to do anything, but I stand on the finished work of the cross that I'm made alive in Jesus, that all of my sins are forgiven, that all of the debt that we owed, I love that phrase, the damning evidence of broken laws and commandments, all the charges that are rightly up against me, he's totally nailed them to the cross and they're done and dusted forever and then totally defeated. Let me read this last phrase to you again. Having drawn the sting of all the powers ranged against you, whatever is coming against you, whether that's loneliness, whether that's depression, whether that's financial hardship, whether it's accusation from the enemy, maybe it's disappointment from the past, whatever it is, any power that is raged and ranged against us, he has exposed them, shattered, emptied, defeated them in his final and glorious triumphant act. That's the good news, and that's what we're standing on, and that is solid ground. Nothing else is, but if I don't have that firm under my feet, I'm going to wobble. So when Jesus said on the cross, it is finished, that's what he meant. Sin and punishment of sin is finished. You know, death and separation from God is finished. Accusation from the enemy is finished. You know, inferiority and striving and people please is finished. It is finished, and you and I have got to believe it and stand on it. It's an absolutely finished work. There is nothing that you need to add to the work of the cross, nothing. It's not like, you know, I had a debt that I owed and Jesus reduced it by 50% on the cross, thank you. And how do I figure out how to pay the other 50%? It's completely debt-free. There's nothing you need to do to add. And listen, there is nothing that you can do or anyone else can do to you that can take away from it. It is a finished work. What Jesus has accomplished on the cross is finished. Perfectly, finally, forever. We just need to learn how to walk into the fullness of it. That's the first thing we're standing on, the finished work of the cross. The second thing is we need to stand on the promises of God. In 2 Corinthians 1, it says all the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. All of them. Gosh, you can, you know... There's calendars and fridge magnets and you could just go on forever of the promises of God. There's so many of them. Listen, they're all yes. There's this beautiful bit when, um, in, I think it's in Judges, we're talking about Joshua and it says, not one of God's promises to Joshua was not fulfilled. Not one. Like all of the promises of God, he's going to fulfill. It says in the Bible that it's impossible for God to lie. Like, it's impossible. He just can't. He who promised is faithful. So listen, We can stand on the promises of God, the eternal promises of God that for all of us, all people and all times, but also the specific promises of God that you know he said this to you. You know that you know, you know, you have to learn how to stand on it. Listen, this is why we need to know what it says in the Bible. If, If we're saying, listen, I need to stand on the promises of God, well, I need to know what those promises are. And we're so... There's such a wealth of resource in terms of the word for us in the, you know, in the Western church, in terms of like podcasts and, and videos and the internet and books. And there's so much. And there's, you know, and I love hearing people kind of teaching and unpacking the Bible. I love it. And we, should, we must be strengthened by that. But listen, none of that can take the place before other, you know, that other than you getting with God in the word and him speaking to you from his word directly to you. Listen, we can't get lazy and be like baby birds and just have regurgitated from other people all the time. You have to go get your truth. You need to know the promises of God to you and for you from the word. So you have to be anchored in what the Bible says. But also, you need to know that now word. So there's the, you know, God says he's, he'll never leave us, he'll never forsake us. That is eternally applicable to any situation I find myself in. But you need to know the specific word. So in this story in Chronicles, And Jehoshaphat, the king, and they're they're struggling. And the word from Jehoshaphat was specific to that people facing that army in that period of time. And God's word was, just watch what I'm going to do. I'm going to fight this battle for you. So they needed to take hold of the general principle of God that he's faithful and he's with us, but also the now word of God that is right in this situation, I've got this. But we have to then not just, we have to hear it, we have to receive it, and we have to learn to stand on it. And listen, sometimes... You know, having done all things, sometimes the only thing in the all things is just stand on what God said. Just stand. But you need to know what he said. And so we need to know, we need to know what the Bible says so that actually, and this is how, there's this beautiful partnership of me doing my part, but trusting in the Lord. So for example, you know, one of the things we looked at last week is, you know what, there's times when we get stuff wrong and we need to repent and we need to confess. Do you know what, that is just part of your normal kit bag as a Christian. Okay, normal Christian life. So if I'm convicted of something and I'm like, I'm sorry, yeah, God, I'm sorry, you're right, I'm wrong, I'm sorry, I repent of that, please forgive me. Like when I've done that part of my all things, it's making sense, having done all things, I needed to repent, I've done that. Now I need to stand on the promises of God, which says in 1 John, you know, God is faithful, he will forgive all who truly repent and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So listen, I might not feel different in the immediate, but I'm like, well, I've repented, and God says he forgives me, and God says I'm cleansed of it, because the enemy would love to come in my ear and say, well, you might be forgiven, but you're still mucky. That's not what the Bible says. It's not that I'm forgiven and tolerated in my mess. I'm forgiven and washed clean in the word, so I stand before him as if I've never sinned. I'm forgiven from all my sin, and I'm cleansed from all unrighteousness. I'm always surprised how many Christians only believe the first 50% of that statement. You are cleansed from all unrighteousness. You're not marked forever for the consequences of your sin. It's finished and paid for. So you have to walk out of it. But if we don't, if we don't know what the word says, then we don't know how to stand on that. So when the enemy comes with accusation and says, "Sarah, but remember you did this," and I, you know, and you can feel accusation and embarrassment and shame coming back in again, you have to very quickly say, no, I'm standing on what the word of the Lord is. He said, I'm forgiven and I'm cleansed. It is finished. And you have to then just like stop talking and stop listening to what the enemy is doing. I'm not listening to that anymore. I'm standing on what the word of the Lord is. So it's that partnership, standing on what God has already made possible. And I think it's the same in in hearing the word of the Lord, specifically into a situation. There's, this is what the Bible says, and I'm not budging. But you need to know those, those times in your journey when God's specifically spoken to you. It's so important, particularly when we're not yet in the fullness of what he's promised, which is all of us, at one degree or another. You know, we're moving from glory to glory, which means we're more glorious than we were, but not as glorious as we will be. So we're in process. Be okay with that. I remember a time, and I've, I've shared it plenty of times on a Sunday morning, but, you know, I had a season in life um, where I struggled with dreadful insomnia, not just a few bad nights, but months' worth of insomnia and panic attacks at night and chronic anxiety and signed off work and medicated. Like, it, that song we sang earlier, it talks about him comforting us in our greatest unravelling. I love that. So I'm like, that was my greatest unravelling. But listen, this is a completely side note. Can I tell you what I found in my greatest unravelling, he is so totally faithful and so unbelievably kind that honestly, I'm not just saying this, Jesus, you can unravel me again because it's worth it. What he'll do in those times, it's worth it, folks. But listen, I went through this season of time which was really painful and really difficult and um, and so I would go to the Word, and I'd find all the Bible references about sleep, all the promises I got about sleep, and I'd declare them over myself, and I'd stick them up around the house. Like nothing was shifting. It was awful. It's tormenting. You know, that's why they use it as a torture. Like it, you know. I honestly, was tormented by anxiety and, and insomnia. It was awful. Um, and so I rapidly learn in this unraveling. Listen, there's some having done all things, then stand. I was trying desperately to stand when actually the Holy Spirit was saying. Sarah, there's some stuff, there's some reasons why you've kind of come to the end of yourself. Actually, you know, there's some ways of doing life you need to change. You've got to stop striving. You've got to repent of this people-pleasing and, and perfectionism. Like, there's some people you need to forgive. There's some places you need to let me heal. There was some all things that I needed to partner with the Lord over and then stand on his promise for sleep. But in the middle of that, I was um, in that whole phase of life. I was watching one of the Jurassic Park films and... Um, which I love and Jesus spoke to me through this Jurassic Park movie Um you're laughing but he did genuinely did and um, and I felt I really felt like the Lord say Sarah your sleepless nights they're not just going to become rare they're going to become extinct I was like oh now did I instantly sleep from that moment on nope <laughs> no I didn't but listen, I then had the promise in the word that sleep is for us and the nights belong to the Lord and that we're going to sleep in rest and I'm going to lie down in rest. I had those promises in the word to stand on. I was partnering with him in allowing him to unravel and put me back together. And it's so much better being put back together by the Lord than it is just trying to keep ourselves together. Honestly, guys, if things unravel a little because the Lord is allowing it, it's okay because it's so much better to be put back together his way. And you'll find his faithfulness in a way that will stun you. And genuinely, I would have given you my right arm. When I was there, I'd have done anything to get out of it. Now, hand on my heart, I'm supremely grateful for that season because of what Lord did in me, with me, through me. I'm grateful for it, which is why I'm absolutely confident to say, Jesus, if you need to unravel me a little bit more, then that's okay. That is okay because I trust you. But then I, so I had, I'm going sideways, I had the word in the scripture, but I had my Jurassic Park word as well. It's like, well, God, you said these sleepless nights are going to become extinct, not just rare. And so as things came back, you know, better, I just held on to that. And I'd go for months of sleep really well, and then I'd have a few bad nights. And initially, I was terrified I was going back to the beginning again. But I had something to hold on to. I had something to stand on. And at that point, I was like, Do you know, what? I, I don't feel like there's anything more that I need to be addressing right now. They probably will be further down the line, and that's okay. So I was like, no, I need to stand on what you said, God. You promised me that sleep is for me, and you promised me specifically these sleepless nights are going to be done with. And so I hold on to it. So while we're in the process of entering into the promised land, you've got to stand on the finished work of the cross that is freedom from fear, freedom from shame, freedom from fear and sin and death. It's done, it's finished, but standing on the word of the Lord. So having done my part, I'm just going to stand and watch for the deliverance of the Lord. It's the most powerful, wonderful place to be. And listen, I feel like this morning there are some of you, at genuinely, God's word to you is just stand, be still, watch the Lord's deliverance for you. Some of you, there may be some partnering with the Holy Spirit in terms of there is some all things for you to do, and that's okay. But right now, it's a question of standing on the faithfulness of God and the finished work of the cross.